Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. As we continue to move through the month of August, it is a good time to hit on the NFL futures market. I uh, did a lot of the team future stuff last week. I'm going to look more into the prop market for the 2021 season on this week's episode, and we bring on Pamela Maldonado from Yahoo Sportsbook and Yahoo Sports to talk more about some of the individual player props that are of interest. Pamela, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So before we jump into the nitty gritty of the 2021 NFL season and some of the props that might intrigue you, just Give us a little background as far as what got you into the space and what kind of perked your interest in the sports gambling world. Yeah, I've always been kind of like a gambler at heart. When I was younger, my grandfather used to play a seven-card stud. He, he was a recording artist, so in his studio, he would have a, ta- a craps table. He had a poker table, and so I've been playing poker and gambling since I was since I could walk. And so when I lived in Vegas, my guy, he was actually a professional poker player, and so our date nights were going to the Bellagio, going to the win and playing poker on Friday night, Saturday night, because that was the only time that was the best time to play poker was during the night shift, you know, late into the night, early morning. And so if he was going, I was like, well, I guess I'll go too. And then what's right next to the Bellagio poker room, the sports book. And so I just kind of like picked up. Picked up on some early habits. I've always been, I mean, I was born and raised in Texas, been paying attention to college football my entire life. And so now I just decided to put some money where my mouth is. I did. I went to, uh, yes, the Texas Longhorns, hook them, graduated 07. And so um, bleed burnt orange, but that's how I got into actually putting money onto some of the sports picks that I was doing. So, and I've been doing it as a hobby ever since and was very fortunate to turn it into a career. Yeah. And so we'll get back to that in a second, but I got to ask you, 
uh, Longhorns and Sooners going to the SEC. What do you think? You know what? Good luck. <laughs> I love my I love my Longhorns, but you have yet to prove yourself post Mac Brown, yeah. post post you know the Rose Bowl. So um, if you couldn't contend in the Big Twelve, good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> good luck yeah. in the SEC. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to be proven wrong. And as, as a diehard Longhorn, yes, I will forever say we have a shot every single year. But the realist in me also says we haven't proven ourselves just yet. Sure. Yeah. Um, the bigger thing, too, that I was interested in by that news, and I'm curious what you think as far as the, the future of college football. I mean, are, are we seeing the collapse of the Power Five as we know it? I think we are. I think they, I think in the next few years, they're probably going, it just makes sense to kind of redistribute all of the teams. You know, there's more than 10 in the big 10. The PAC 12 is like, I don't know, 20. I mean, there's just like, nothing makes sense <laughs> in, in the college football conferences anyway, right now in the big 12, we have 10. I mean, it's just, come on, let's just time. I think it makes sense. Let's kind of like disassemble everything, realign everything and bring in some of these groups. Notre Dame needs to belong to a power five like let's just get rid of the independent let's redistribute like ucf and like it's let's just make some changes and i hope now that they are starting to think of maybe we're doing a 12 team college football playoff sure. that me that does tell me that they are thinking of ways to change the college football environment so you have to be thankful for that they are having the conversations and i think that people are open and welcome to it so let's do it so uh, take me through the specifics about how you kind of found your niche uh, with, uh, as we talked about, the NFL prop market and a little bit of tennis and golf as well. Uh, was there anything specific about those sports that you kind of gravitated to or was that just kind of the where your work took you and, and the rest kind of wrote itself? Well, I've kind of been doing college football my entire life. And so that was kind of more like intuition. And then I kind of created a process of, well, this is how I I'm stats based better. And what that means is basically I look at every single line within college football and NFL, and I let the line tell me where to look. And then from there, I go into like a bit of a deeper dive and then assess, okay, the line is telling me one thing and now does the information back it up sure. and if it's strong enough well then i go ahead and like follow through with it and then like i know the players i've seen the games i watch these teams so having really that firsthand knowledge of um especially when it comes to tennis like tennis i use like no stats actually tennis i really just like i watch every single match just because i love right. tennis so much yeah. and so i know the players by heart but like when it comes to like the nfl uh, the way I study in the NFL is not at all the same way that I study in college football. And the way I study in the NFL, I found that it is really, it really benefits the prop market. And since there isn't a, and the way I study in college football is really more of like every season it changes one year, it works really well with over-unders. And then like last year, it worked really well with underdogs. So more against the spread stuff. So every year with college, it kind of changes. But for NFL, I really do have just grown to love player props. I think it's a lot more fun. And it puts a lot of pressure. It takes off a lot of the pressure of like spreads in NFL. I think they're just so tough. And totals are probably the hardest thing to right. hit in the NFL. More efficient market, you would think, right? I would, yeah, it's, I would definitely think so. I think because those are the two most dominant, most prevalent bets that people make the spread and the total, that's where the books are going to be the sharpest. And sure. so I think the prop market is still a market that you can exploit. 
And you just have to be willing to put in the research. And if you are somebody who's like a fantasy player, that very much does correlate into the prop market. Yeah. Um, before we get more into the NFL, we touched on a little college football there. And, and I might as well ask you, we have seen quite a while now. The Heisman has been a very high variance award. Obviously, you know, Joe Burrow was a big price and Johnny Manziel, Cam Newton, guys that have come out of nowhere to win that award. Is there anyone that you think might fit that billing as we inch closer to the start of the college football season? You do have to be realistic. And if it was up to me, like last year, Trevor Lawrence, I think he was wholeheartedly, even without the, even without winning the national championship, I still think Trevor Lawrence should have won the Heisman. He's just one of the fantastic players. And it, to me, it also comes down to who you are as a person, um, the type of influence that you have and, Trevor Lawrence in the off in the off off the field, he was a really huge advocate during a year in 2020 where somebody needed to be an advocate, and he was us- utilizing his voice to talk about some of the subjects that other players were keeping silent on. So I think that was a huge reason why I gravitated to him last year. This year, if you are talking purely purely football, I mean, it is Sam Howell. He is like the he is the greatest quarterback in college football, and I think he's just so underrepresented, underutilized, under um, appreciated because his defense sucks. <laughs> if the if the Tar Heels could put together a winning team and like completely how they dominated against Miami, they can do that to every single team. It's just a matter of can you consistently do that to every single team and they can they just have to believe they can and if they just come out he has the numbers he has over 7,000 passing yards in two seasons his average is 9.4 and he has 68 touchdowns this guy is a playmaking machine he has a bomb of an arm it's just that team cannot win and win the, the conference title because their defense is what's lacking but if they can get over that hump hundred percent. I believe he's like the best long shot, but if you are looking at the teams who are more likely to make a playoff, then you do say, have to look at the Texas grad shows Spencer Rattler some love. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes. Unfortunately. And the reason for that is not because I specific, like you have to think of the betting perspective and I I'm not in love with Spencer Rattler. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he just benefits from an easy schedule. And this year he's going to benefit from an easier schedule. So Oklahoma is the most likely team to make the playoff. And by playing these easier schedules, his numbers are going to be through the roof. Um, yeah, he's, more, he should be definitely, I think he is, should be the Heisman contender. Um, should I, do I think he should win? Well, we're going to find out, but I mean, preseason, I would definitely think that he, his odds, I'm not sure what his odds are right now. What are they like? Probably plus 800, uh, plus 800 or so. Rattler is actually the Heisman. Than that five and a half to one. Five and a half to one. I think that should be taken preseason because his schedule gets easier and easier throughout the season. Hit those odds are going to get worse. Somebody like Sam Howell, you don't necessarily have to take preseason because they are going to play a tough schedule right out of the gate. They're going to have toss up games throughout the season. So there's going to be many opportunities to pick on Sam Howell throughout the season. The other thing I'm curious about with the Heisman is just the pricing on some of these guys, we have a lot of 
newer names at the top of the board with starting quarterbacks at big schools getting opportunities. Now Bryce Young at Alabama, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. We did see uh, DJ, I'm going to butcher this, Hugo Lately. Yeah, <laughs> get some time uh, when Lawrence was out against Notre Dame. Uh, so what do you think, and De'Ara King is, is a more familiar name at Miami. He's priced longer than all those guys. What do you think about some of these quarterbacks that JT Daniels at Georgia Grinity played a little bit last year, but transferring from USC? What do you think about some of these guys where we, ha- we don't know as much about them, but they're obviously coming in mm-hmm. at big programs? I do think that we are going to go back to a quarterback for this year. I think 2020 was kind of an outlier for a wide receiver earning the Heisman. I think it was just the right place at the right time. Jalen Waddle was definitely in the contention until he got injured. And Mac Jones, 100%. He was phenomenal. And I took a bet on him in the national championship for him to hit every single one of his prop marks and the highest I think was that he would surpass 450 passing yards and he did easily comfortably 100%. I believe he should have won the Heisman. Um, but of course, Devonta was a very deserving player. I think for this reason, we are going to go back to a quarterback this year. We have a full season of practice. We have a normal schedule. Again, we're not doing conference play only. So if you're going to be looking at quarterbacks, then you have to be looking at the type of opposing defenses that they're going to be playing. It's pretty simple just to look at team rankings and look at the secondaries on the schedule and which team are they going to have a chance of going over on their yardage, going over on their passing touchdowns. You want to look at the players who have a shot at getting astronomically high numbers and not every single one of these quarterbacks is going to be it. You want to look at somebody like uh, you mentioned, Derek Keene. Hey, you know what? He's great, but he's also more of a runner than he is a passer. And I'm not sure that's going to be to his benefit. Um, Maybe that's detriment because we've seen Cam and Lamar and, and Johnny Manziel thrive with the rushing and win. In a year where we're in a division, in a, in a situation where we are now in the NFL transferring more to a pass and kind of less of a run game, um, yeah, I think we also see how that's a detriment in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, they're great until they're not because they can't throw yeah. the ball. <laughs> the playoffs. Yeah, good point. Let's go to the NFL now. And uh, before we get into some of the specific props, um, I'm curious what you target because there are so many offerings at a lot of different books. Do you try and look at these bigger prices with the offensive and defensive rookie of the years and the coach of the year, or uh, will you try and hone in on certain guys yardage totals and, and just look at those over unders? How do you try and maneuver your way through all the offerings that are out there? Something like MVP, like offensive rookie of the year, coach of the year, things like that. I stay away from because it is so subjective. There sure. aren't, they don't go off of stats. They're not going off of, and then there's like 800 people who yeah. and, do and the voting. And you, oftentimes <laughs> on like storylines and like what they want to write, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So I stay away from those because those are definitely more subjective, just like the Heisman trophy winner is um, more. I mean, it could be, but like, especially so like in the NFL coach of the year, all that I'm going to stay away from stuff like that. And I think the misconception also is that, as content creators in the sports betting circuit, uh, we bet on everything that we talk about and we don't last year. I made one features, bet, and it was for Derrick Henry to have the most rushing yards in the league. Wow. And that, that hit, and it was at plus 700 preseason. And I look for something that is kind of like 
all right, this like legitimately has a good shot of, of working out. And there aren't a lot of things. There's a lot of toss-ups, like a quarterback to have an over under yardage. Who knows? We saw Aaron Rodgers. He was supposed to, everyone was expecting him to have a down season and he ended up throwing up just what career high numbers and MVP. MVP, And it was just an anomaly of a year and you cannot bank on a team to do well or not do well, especially now that we have an extra game. I don't know how that's going to necessarily affect all of these futures markets. So instead I'm looking for strength versus weakness. Just like I mentioned, if you're going to take a quarterback for the Heisman, look at the secondaries that they are facing each week, kind of the same concept here. If you are taking an over under on a player, absolutely make sure that it matches up for throughout the season. So if you look at somebody like Christian McCaffrey, he is the number one running back for fantasy. I think um, expected to be the number one player drafted for fantasy. Well, he's doing so behind a bad offensive line. And if you look at the rushing defenses, and if you look at the rushing defenses that they play, they're going to be playing a tough slate of rushing defenses. So this makes no sense to me. I'd be looking at his under prop for the, for the season um, and be looking to other players. Like you have Antonio Gibson in Washington, great offensive line, and they're returning their starters. They have all the strength. They have a better quarterback, and they are going up against probably one of the easiest in the NFL opponent, opponent rushing defenses. So Washington, expect them to have a phenomenal season on the ground those are the situations that I'm looking for. Make sure that all the pieces make sense. So uh, it's funny you mentioned Washington because um, our producer is lives in the DMV area and uh, he's not a Washington fan, but he does keep an eye on the team. And he mentioned uh, a player that he wanted you to talk a little bit about, Jared Patterson, the undrafted yes. guy out of Buffalo who was obviously just a stud on the ground for the Bulls last year. They were one of the best power five teams in the, or excuse me, group of five teams in the country. But it sounds like you think Gibson kind of has that backfield locked down because obviously when they drafted him, there was, you know, he was this Swiss army knife pass catcher out of Memphis. And I suppose there could be an argument for some carries to be had if they don't want to pound Gibson uh, between the tackles too much. So how do you see that playing out? Well, I think it's an interesting situation because yes, Gibson should be the number one because he was there last year. He had 11 touchdowns, but then you have running back Jared Patterson. He's not on the team yet. He's still an undrafted free agent. Um, If he does make the squad though, I definitely think he has a fantastic opportunity here to play a dual to play the dual role. I think two of these players combined, they can, you can kind of compare them that they could be the next Cleveland Browns duo. And I mean, he rushed for 4,155 yards in his college career but that was against the Mac. So how is that going to translate in the NFL? We have yet to see if he can be proven in the NFL, but I, I, I think I'm too much of a believer in him, but these are the players that you want to look at the guys who know that they're the underdog and they want to fight and they have the heart and he has the skill set to back it up. It's not just, yeah, he was in the Mac, but you also have like, I mean, he still put up astronomical numbers that you just cannot find anywhere else in college football. So they face the 10th easiest schedule of rushing defenses. If he makes squad, I definitely think he can stand out and him and Gibson, they can be a a combo dual threat. Sure. Um, You mentioned Derrick Henry too, and he's obviously a much bigger name that a lot of people know. He was your pick for the rushing champion last year. Um, I have the third pick in my fantasy draft. I'm expecting it to be 
uh, CMC and Dalvin Cook with the first two picks. So Henry was obviously someone I was looking at, but I'll be honest, I think I'm probably going to steer clear only because of the fact that uh, there is that mileage and maybe Derrick Henry is just superhuman. Maybe it doesn't matter, but it does concern (laughs) me a little bit. You do have Julio Jones there, so you would think that they're going to throw the ball more in Tennessee. Uh, What do you think for King Henry in Nashville with obviously a new offensive coordinator too after the departure of Arthur Smith? I think we have to see in the first few weeks in preseason with changes like this, this is one of the things that I was talking about that you have to just sit back. You don't have to bet everything preseason because there's question marks. Um, We don't know how is this new coach going to handle things? How is Julio Jones going to change things up? Are they going to, like you said, are they going to pass more? We don't have answers to these questions. And just because you see something in preseason doesn't mean that that's going to be what we see in week one. It's an entirely different chapter. And so I need to see, I think he can definitely still have a good season. Is he going to be the highest rushing? uh, Is he going to have the most rushing yards in the league again? That is probably going to be a no. Just because Julio Jones, you would think that they want, they got in situations last year where they should have passed the ball more, but instead they rushed the ball more. And it was great for Derrick Henry's numbers, but it wasn't great for getting the win. I think they've learned from that. I think that Variable is a fantastic coach that he knows that. And so they're going to make changes this year that are going to be important to take that next step of, okay, not only can we beat these teams, but now we can win in the playoffs and we can go a little deeper and we can go a little deeper to maybe even winning the Super Bowl. How do they do that? By changing things up. Sure. See what uh, happens in the first few weeks. Let's go to one of the other big storylines. And I feel like uh, particularly in the month of August, you can't watch more than 15 minutes of sports center without hearing about the latest training camp performance from Justin Fields or Trey Lance. And so <laughs> um, I, I wonder from the prop perspective, how do you kind of evaluate situations like that, where we have these rookies coming in, Mac Jones seemed to have uh, by all accounts, a nice preseason debut up in Foxborough last night. How do you look at these situations where you have the incumbents and Cam Newton and Jimmy Garoppolo um, and I guess Andy Dalton's new in Chicago as well, but we all know Mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time before those first round picks get out there. Uh, Do you look at that as an opportunity uh, with the prop numbers on the rookies or is that just a situation that you try and avoid altogether? Preseason, I'm probably not doing anything. I'm not, I'm not probably, I'm not doing anything preseason week, week on a week to week basis. Yes. You can take advantage of that and take the bears. For example, you have, they're playing the Rams in week one. Good luck. You're that is a fantastic defense. And you have either a rookie quarterback, Andy Dalton or Nick Foles. Like this offense is going to just probably be atrocious in week one. So the week two, the betting market for the props, they're probably going to be a little bit on the they lower are, end right. because of their performance in week one. But who do they face in week two? The Bengals. And they have a terrible secondary. They gave up all the yardage, all the passing touchdowns last year. So you're going to expect them to look really bad in week one, but then they're probably going to look really good in week two. And that's the market that I would exploit is they had a down week. Well, now they have an opportunity for a bounce back the following week. So a couple other things that I want to touch on um, and as far as rookies, I know you said you're not huge on betting the coach of the year and the, the rookies of the year, but um, I do want to throw a few names at you. Obviously we talked about him in the college portion of this with Devonta Smith. He's somebody that I granted before he sprained his MCL took a flyer on to win the 
offensive rookie of the year. I got him at 15 to one. I think that just of all the guys in this year's rookie class of wideouts, he's the one that seems to be the most polished as a route runner. I know there's questions about his weight, but just as far as coming right in, with a situation with the Eagles where there are plenty of catches to be had in a pretty bad wide receiver room, I would expect him with a quarterback he's familiar with, with Jalen Hurts to do well uh, and, and thrive in, in that situation. Of course, if he's healthy now, of course you do have the college reunions with Jalen Waddle and Tua as well. And Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. So mm -hmm. that storyline does carry over with a few other guys, but I, I think Smith in the situation, like I said, in an offense that really is devoid of big playmakers prior to his arrival uh, is going to be able to jump right in and have a good season for the Eagles. So he's someone I'm looking at. And then I think there is an interesting name or two that uh, my producer Alex threw out there. Um, he, the Jets guy out of Ole Miss, Elijah Moore, there's certainly mm -hmm. plenty of targets to be had there for Gang Green. You would figure they're going to be playing from behind <laughs> the brand new regime. So there, you would think they're not going to be married to anybody from years prior. Uh, so I think he's kind of interesting as well. What do you think about those two names? I definitely think the Jets are going to make an interesting one. Um, I think you can make a case for coach of the year, quarterback of the year, offense of the year. I mean, I think they can have just such two things are going to happen with it. One of two things are going to happen with the Jets. They're either going to, it's going to be a rebuild year and they're just going to fall on their faces, but next year be absolutely fantastic because they have a year together. Right. Or they're going to come right out of the gate and just explode, um, make a complete 180 from last year. I am very much a believer in, I don't know. I'm not going to make these predictions preseason. I'm not going to put my money on making these predictions. I want to see how these teams fare in week one. I want to see how these teams fare in week two, and then probably start comfortably putting something on these teams in week three. I think week to week, you really have to assess the situation um, because look at the defenses that they're going to be facing. I mean, the Jets in week one, let me see. Let me go back to my little book because I don't even remember who they are facing in week one. They're going to look pretty good for the first couple of weeks because right. they are facing Carolina and then the Patriots, but then you get a tougher defense in, in the Broncos. So that's going to be, I'm very much, we saw it with Mitch Trubisky and the bears. He looks fantastic against bad defenses, but then you actually put him up against some competition and they just stumble all over themselves. That could be the exact same case here with the Jets. They're going to look pretty good week one and two. And then the real test is going to be on week three. Um, could they surpass and exceed expectations? Absolutely. But I don't know what exceed expectations means at this point. So right. we're, we're going to find out. Yeah. Um, lastly, on the NFL props, um, again, I just, from a storyline perspective, I mean, I, went to school for journalism. I work in radio now. So these are things I try and dissect a little bit. I, I do think I mentioned his name earlier. I do think Arthur Smith in Atlanta is kind of interesting because the NFC South after Tampa Bay is pretty open. We have no idea what's going to happen with New Orleans and how their offense is going to look post Drew Brees. Carolina is still a team in transition, second year for Matt Rule. I, I could see a scenario exist in where you see the playmakers for Atlanta, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and, and Matt Ryan still kind of has a little juice left in the tank to where the Falcons, I've, I like them over their win total as well. Uh, I, I think they can surprise some people uh, in year number one. The defense can't get any worse than it was in 2020. So I'm not sure how much better it gets, but what do you think about the offense down there in Atlanta and maybe Arthur Smith as the coach of the year? I think finally we agree on something <laughs> but the Falcons, the Falcons, they could definitely be good. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but I think that's definitely going to be the case this year. 
I talk about Matt Ryan. Um, I've been talking about Matt Ryan lately, and I think a player that he could that's going to benefit from Ryan potentially having a fantastic season is going to be wide receiver Kevin Ridley. I'd be he has improved on his targets, his receptions, and his yardage. And then you have Julio Jones now with Tennessee Titans, so Ridley now has an opportunity to shine if this team can end up going. Um, just exceed expectations from last year, then yeah, I definitely think that Arthur Smith can be coach of the year. If he can help this team to a winning season and help Matt Ryan produce some outstanding numbers, then yes, I want to put him in the conversation for coach of the year. And at plus 1600, I know I said, I don't like to take these, but I did. This is the only coach that I had put on futures bet on at plus 1600, because if they win and we have seen Matt Ryan, he in use in 2018, when was it? 2016. He, I think he can replicate his successful seasons that he's had previously under this new head coach. One last NFL thing before we briefly touch on tennis and get you out of here. Um, uh, you mentioned Derrick Henry as the rushing champion was your one player prop that you played last year. I'm just curious, uh, as of now, are there any leans for you? Does there anything really jump at you as far as what that short list might be for you? I have not put a, I have not put anything I think the Lions (laughs) I think this is the only thing that I have that I've contemplated like really putting like a small little something on is taking them to uh have the worst record the Detroit Lions taking them to have the worst record in the league and let's start the 0 and 17 bet again (laughs) and I think the possibility is definitely there for the Lions they have a bad Jared Goff they have a bad receiving core they have a bad defense and they have a mega hard schedule so I think they're gonna have head coach (laughs) and a a terrible head coach let's be honest so I think I mean, not terrible head coach, but offensively, I mean, it's just a coach that doesn't make sense for this team is what I think it is. It's just not a good fit. It's not a good pairing. So I think they, um, the Detroit lions for have the worst record and to go. Oh, in 17. I think those are two bets that are on my table right now. I haven't bet either one, but, uh, we have time. On the way out here with Pamela Maldonado from Yahoo Sportsbook. Uh, we mentioned that you do uh, hit the tennis court a little bit as well. And I played in high school. Uh, I'll be going to the U.S. Open Labor Day weekend. I love going up there, uh, taking the Long Island Railroad up to uh, right across from City Field and the Billie Jean Tennis Center. Uh, so as far as uh, any storylines, obviously uh, the big story heading to Flushing Meadows is going to be Novak Djokovic trying to win the calendar mm-hmm. slam. Uh, and we don't even know about the availabilities of Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Just saw that Rafa pulled out of the Western and Southern. So yes. um, curious if you're involved at all in the event, anything you like as far as the Western and Southern coming up here in Cincinnati, uh, U.S. Open, either whether it be on the ATP side or the WTA side. I took Djokovic to win Australian Open. I took Djokovic at plus money to win Wimbledon. I am not touching Djokovic to win the U.S. Open. I don't yet know if I'm going to be taking a futures bet. I definitely need to see the draw. There, no tournament requires a draw as much as the U.S. Open. It is the end of the season. Players are injured. They're tired. They've had a year of travel restrictions. They've had a year of not able to have their team with them, their full team with them. It's just we don't even know what's happening now with the Delta variant is New York going to be more strict. Are there going to be fans in the stands? There are just so many variables going into this final tournament of the year, final major of the year 
that there's too many implications. It's too much of a risk this far out. I need to see a draw. I need to see more of what's happening. I would absolutely love to see Djokovic win uh, the, the calendar year slam. I'm just not sure that he's in the best position to. He's going to be he's going to be entering the U.S. Open not having played any of the prelim tournaments, so we're not going to see him at Cincy. We're not seeing him right now in Toronto, right. so he's going to be going into this having taken a break since the Tokyo Olympics. I don't know how that's going to affect his body, and there are so many good players who can contend. You have Stefano Sitsipas who's coming in. He's playing fantastic Absolutely. right now. Yeah. You have Hubert, Her- Hubert Herkatch, who won Miami. Daniil Medvedev is somebody that can definitely contend. He was in the final. He's uh, He was in the final with Djokovic in the Australian Open. There's just so many more players that can contend on hard court. This is the hardest major to win. So lastly, one thing that I do see, I'm looking at the uh, women's odds right now, and I think this is interesting. I know that uh, there have been a lot of players at the top of this uh, odds board right now that have been off the court, really. I mean, Naomi Osaka is the favorite at three and a half to one. We're seeing Bianca Andreescu, who obviously has struggled with injuries. She's the third choice at nine to one. And I know Serena is always going to get respect. She's at nine and a half to one. And obviously we haven't seen as much of her as we would in years past. What do you make of the women's board? I think the women's for every tournament is the same for me, whether it is a major, whether it is one of these smaller uh, 250, 500 events, whether the smaller tournaments, um, the WTA is just really hard to navigate through. And the reason for that is because these women don't have weapons like the men do. The men, you have somebody like Isner who has a giant serve. You have somebody like Djokovic, who's a great returner and you don't have a a wider range of outcomes. Exactly. It's because of, because the women are kind of uh, more of an even playing field. It just makes predicting tournaments a lot more tough. It's definitely entertaining to watch, and I respect women's tennis. I just don't bet it. Sure. Understood. Well, there she is, Pamela Maldonado from Yahoo Sportsbook and Yahoo Sports. Appreciate you taking a few minutes here on Full Slate, and we'll definitely uh, stay in touch. Again, I enjoyed this. Good luck this season. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. There Again, there it is, Pamela Maldonado from Yahoo Sportsbook and Yahoo Sports. My name is Greg Frank. Again, give Pamela a follow on Gambling Twitter as you can find her at, let me pull it up here, Pamela M35. And then uh, shoot me a follow as well at Undercover Greg. And the podcast is at full underscore slate underscore pod. Everybody enjoy your weekends. And of course, please play responsibly.